Welcome to the Dear Data Podcast, where our mission is to increase diversity in the field of artificial intelligence to ensure that we have all perspectives in the data that is driving the decisions of tomorrow. We're your hosts, Sajna and Marissa, and we are excited for today's episode where we speak with a woman who recently transitioned from oil and gas into a career in data. Let's get started. Dear Data, we're excited to have with us Chelsea Squires. Chelsea has recently moved from a role as a geophysicist in oil and gas into a senior data analyst role with Alberta Startup Cement. She is a Master's of Data Science student at University of Calgary and also leads datathons in Calgary that focus on helping women get started in data and collaborate on issues around open data. We're excited to have you today, Chelsea, and excited to hear what you have to tell our listeners about how to transition into a career in data and AI. Thank you so much, you guys. I'm extremely excited to be here. And I am just an extremely excitable person in general, so I feel like I should just lay that out to prepare your listeners. (laughs) Yes, this is, no, it's awesome. So, um, you, you went from being a geophysicist in oil and gas um, to a, a senior data analyst here at, at Cement. Um, you're a few months into the role. I guess first, just just tell us about it. Tell us how that transition went. No, it's, uh, it's one of those classic things where the unexpected kind of happened. There were a few life roadblocks that definitely kind of guided where my path was within that. So uh, I'm originally from Newfoundland, moved here to Calgary about five years ago to start working as a geophysicist with Shell, moved around to a couple of different companies, started working with a smaller junior company. Absolutely loved being in that smaller environment where you're kind of outside of your role more. So you're taking bits of everything just because you're in such a small shop that you're really outside of what's just kind of defined in the box of that role. But, uh, you know, classic COVID case, uh, we through 2020, we put ourselves up through an M&A kind of reorganization. So we were positioning ourselves to be purchased. Uh, So through that process, I got a lot of great experience with looking at how the actual business side of things work, collaborating collaborating even more with my my coworkers and being able to present at a C-suite level and at a really big decision-making level. And I I love it. When everything was on fire, I just wanted to be right in the middle of it. And then once we had actually kind of gone through the management presentations, I realized that there were a lot of different ways that this could end, which would involve me not in a position as a geophysicist. So through that whole M&A process, I was definitely doing a lot of introspection and realized that I was given an opportunity that w- that a career shift was going to be happening regardless. But I really wanted to be in charge of that and take this opportunity with how things were changing to really hone in on the things that I wanted out of my career. And 
And uh, as a geophysicist, I was obviously very analytically focused in general. Um, so my background, I have a uh, so I have a, a honors bachelor's, a joint honors in physics and earth science, and then I went on to do my master's in computational geophysics. So I was always kind of on that really highly focused analytical side. Um, so I wanted to embrace that in a way. I was loving how things were changing in both the startup and the data space. I felt, um, I knew that a role so niche as a geophysicist only had certain available positions. Essentially, if my partner and I ever wanted to move to a new city, it would be so difficult to transition out of somewhere that was non-oil and gas. It was very oil and gas specific. So I leaned into the fact that I could use data science in my present role as a geophysicist, but then it also added that flexibility to be able to pivot through that. And then we did end up getting purchased by a uh, just a larger oil and gas company, and I found myself really, again, missing that smaller company atmosphere and uh, felt even more into that, like leaning into that niche of being a geophysicist. And that was because I had done that introspection, I realized that was not where I wanted to be in the in my career. And once I feel stuck in something or kind of, you know, classic, like have my mind set on something, I got to do what I can to kind of pivot out of there. So I started looking at different companies. Uh, I was already in school for data science at that time. So I was just looking at more what my schoolwork was tying into what different postings. And yeah, I feel like I've really found, I just really believe in the the messaging that they have of incorporating empathy into AI, which I I hope we're going to chat about today because I I love talking about that. And uh, just in to call it fast pace is the understatement of the century. So and to work in a different kind of integrated team, but using that, that I learned from my my oil and gas experience has been, uh, yeah, well, I'm happy. You obviously came from a, a pretty analytical background anyway, but were there any pivotal steps that you took to prepare yourself for that transit? Whether, I know you kind of went back to school, uh, but is there anything else, either soft skills or hard skills that you were like, the, looking back, this was so important for me? Absolutely. And I, uh, I think one of the most important things that I realized during the kind of introspective work is how necessary that that really was of literally my thoughts I felt were almost consistently consumed with what are my values in a career? What, like, even though I had kind of had these certain, I guess, elements that I identified with of being kind of that science analytical forward person, I was also ready to, very ready to embrace other things if I really felt like that was going to align more with my values. I wasn't, I I was, <laughs> I was ready to abandon, you know, the, I, I was still very early in my career. I was only uh, five years in as a geophysicist, but well, plus the seven years of schooling. So it, it did take a bit to kind of realize that I needed to be open about that because this was going to be a whole new world anyway. And if I was going to limit myself to the identity that I thought that I was, that would be the complete antithesis of the way that I wanted to grow. So I think just really honing in on, yeah, what I wanted from the career and what components 
would really lean into that. And I would say more of that was softer than harder. And I think it's, uh, it, it's easy to look at the hard skills more just because they're, it's easier and more tangible. But ultimately, I've realized that I truly believe to be good in a position, you have to just care about the hard parts of the work too. And if you're just focused on what those hard skills are and maybe not being good at something right off the bat, it's going to be really difficult to continue to stay content in that position. Mm-hmm. I think that like introspective work is so important and something that I've all, I've all seen a trend during COVID. It's like if the silver lining of COVID, if you will, is that it gave us a lot of time to sit and think and bring a lot of clarity to, to what's important in our lives and what we are genuinely interested in, what genuinely drives us, which is, is I, I, I've heard this story uh, quite a few times in the past, you know, year or so, which is exciting. You know, classic blessing in disguise, but exactly, I, think, exactly. I think when you're forced in that isolation, it's, uh, it's not something that comes up often. And a lot of people, it's, easy and I don't blame people for wanting to kind of live their life on autopilot because life's freaking hard and there's a lot going on but uh yeah COVID's definitely forced us to kind of rethink a lot of those things and uh I think there's a lot of people that are uh really embracing that side for sure yeah absolutely so what what would you suggest, like what could our listeners who might be thinking about transitioning into a role in data or AI, what could they do to, to kind of get started aside from embarking on a master's in data science? <laughs> no, and, and that's one of the funny things I was going to say, too, is that structured school works very well for me because I... I really like to have a lot of breadth in my life. I purposely have a lot going on. So having that kind of structure in a learning system works very well for me personally. There are a lot of different pathways that don't necessarily involve formal schooling or even, um, I guess, even really learning those hard, hard skills that would end up being a very successful, happy path for a lot of different people. So I think to tie into exactly what we were just saying, uh, there's a lot of different actually specific psychologists that relate to people's career journeys. I would very much recommend just having that chat out with either a professional, your partner, some friends who can really give you some insight on the softer sides of a role that would eventually, um, I think, lead, lead to something that would be happier for someone in a longer term. Because I think one of the unfortunate downsides of how kind of the data and the AI world are moving so quickly is right now it's extremely shiny. It's And there's a lot of great things happening there. And I know myself, I was, I, I saw this great shiny thing and like wanted to dive in right away, but it was def, that definitely that transitional point where I was doing the internal work to be sure of where I aligned for on that. So I would say the first thing is to just kind of even if it's a formal way of making a list of the values you want in a career, um, look at what those are, what roles would end up filling up there, then to look at companies that also align with where those values are. Because very possible that you could have the exact same role, two different places, literally doing the same work, 
and feel miserable at one and absolutely empowered in the other. But I think it's it's where that ultimately aligns with a person's value that at the end of the day is the most important to someone doing conducive work that they feel great about. I love that. I love the values and the soft skills. I know in my career journey into AI, um, it really was the soft skills that opened up the doors for me. Um, and, and you know, as as you all know here, I I recently transitioned into a role uh, where you know when when I was interviewing and I was I was talking, it wasn't like oh hey you're you're proficient in python or uh, you know you have x many years of experience in this field it was more so how are you able to adapt um like in other roles how have you been able to influence teams how have you been able to lead a vision um very much the soft skills that have opened up the doors because that technical stuff even though it will be a steep steep learning curve you can do it <laughs> like it'll come um it'll suck at the beginning but but it will come um for sure so i i really i really like that that message that like you can do it. Look, look within yourself. Look within yourself and figure out what you're good at. I would also like a disclaimer of like any quote unquote advice or things that I'm saying. This is such a process for me. It's like I would love to just say like embrace the power of sucking. <laughs> like, let's just period. But like embrace the power of sucking. I have an immense difficulty with this because you know curse like to do things well but um uh, there's a so many things they translate so often to so many things about how much is just a the process of learning that and it's the classic you know one percent every day i try when i'm getting too overwhelmed with oh my god this is <laughs> this is just a lot going on to think it's like what ultimately is the minimum step i can make in this day and if i achieve that i can be I can be content with that because I know that that's just kind of a piece of the whole bigger picture. And the only wrong thing you can do is nothing in that. Um, but yeah, I, I am not good at being kind to myself at sucking right off the bat. And I will say that um, almost, I guess, if you're you're into that transitional role be really prepared to be uncomfortable maybe with your technical skills, especially if you're you're transitioning from something completely different. But you hit the nail on the head, Marissa, in that um, uh, like the technical skills will come. And I think the reason and, and like kind of a key example of why it's so important to do the inner soft work is that think about the leaps and bounds that this field has gone through in the last five years. Like I, uh, yeah, before I moved to Calgary, I would say I had just like heard of Python in the last year, my master's and I was in a master's where I was coding. <laughs> like I was, I was in a master's that was very computer science focused. So the, the fact of the matter is like that world changes so rapidly that if you're caught up on, and it, it, it changes so rapidly and it just takes time to be an expert in something. 
So if if you're gonna be mean to yourself in that time or kind of uh, have outlandish expectations, you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> but you can do it. It, just, it, it like I say, so much is important for that inner mental work. Yeah, and I think that's the great thing about working at a startup is I think that culture of not being perfect at everything off the bat and and learning is in in the company that I work for seems like very ingrained in our culture because oftentimes you're doing something for the very first time, right? It's not like you work at this gigantic corporation where if you come across a problem, it's already been solved by someone in another office. At a startup, it's like, this problem is new. We've never seen it. We need to figure it out. We might not have the right solution off the bat, but we're going to, you know, give it our best shot. And, and like you said, the, the, we have to be a little comfortable with the art of sucking as you put it. So that, that absolutely makes sense. Now you mentioned in, in the beginning that cement is focused around, um, bringing empathy to AI. Can, can you expand on that a bit? So um, the way, so what SMEN does and what their focus is on is really changing the idea between or behind people that are either defaulting on payments or just unable to pay their bills, which of course through COVID has been extremely difficult. And I think anyone who knows if they've been through the collections process uh, can be extremely cold, demeaning to the people, and there's just a lot of detail that completely removes whatever the situation that got a person in that in in the first place. But I think um, in more cases often than not, people do want to be paying their bills. It's just when you're deciding between your internet and your and feeding your family. That's, a, that's obviously a different situation than someone that's just uh, just failing to pay when they have the means. So what Semen does, we have uh, just a team of behavioral scientists that actually design different parts of experimentation with companies who are dealing with people who are defaulting on their payments and then ultimately creates either a payment solution or just different methods for them to actually be able to pay their bills back. And the reason that I love this part of the company is that I personally haven't seen ways where uh, or many ways where the best business solution is also the one that is the best people solution. Like I think people can feel great about the fact that they are paying their bills. The company gets the money that they're contractually obligated to. And it it really is a win-win and people can feel great about that. So yeah, I, I love that. That's amazing. That's so exciting. I, it's funny when I started my last job, this was about six years ago. Now they gave me a new work cell phone and whoever's number that whoever, whoever had that number before clearly was having some issues with like paying off their debt. And I swear I would get calls on that number probably five times a day from debt collectors. And they were so horrible. Like I say, I'm borderline obsessed with this idea because a couple of different women that I, I that, that are in the space that I, I follow so closely. So Kathy Korsakov from Google decision, the chief decision scientist at, at Google and uh, Rana El Kabuti. She's the CEO of Effecta. They're both like messages that they've said is that the importance, and this actually, I'm realizing this ties right back into the the soft side again, is that we've obviously seen how much technology has transformed 
different pieces. We all know that we should be off our phones a little less, but it's so ingrained kind of in our lives to be attached to that. So one, a better solution instead of kind of limiting that is to embrace the emotional side of AI and to embrace the human empathetic side of AI. And it relates to the fact that if you think about overall intelligence in a person is ultimately a combination of their IQ and their EQ. So, you know, obviously kind of, I guess it ties into your IQ might be uh, kind of akin to the analytical intelligence that a person could have, but the EQ uh, is kind of ties into just that the way that the person interacts with other people or how ultimately their uh, their products are connecting to other people. And because technology is getting so intelligent and it's been a high focus on the IQ because it's had to be on that analytical side, I think it's equally, if not more important, to bring in that like almost stimulating that uh, that EQ side within our technology. So like bringing in empathy, bringing in emotional capabilities, because if we're trusting machines to make decisions as humans, though, that those are key components to how a human makes decisions as they should. So uh, no, uh, it, it, and it's just so interesting to me. And I think like, for a long time, women have really been in that position of leadership. Like we have the experience of bringing EQ into into leadership a, a lot of the time. Um, so I think women are equally as great to bring that into the AI space because there's a lot of that experience that uh, I just think a lot of women are very naturally capable at. So it's like so many good concrete examples of where that diversity is absolutely needed for improvements across this and just to be sure that we're tackling biases from all sides. Because if we're creating products that are embedded into literally every person's life, it has to be able to connect to every person in the in the same way positively as it would. So if there's negative downsides that are defined by those biases, that's a huge that would accumulate into a huge societal problem. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And you know, today obviously we know that there is such a small segment of women in in the field of AI. What do you think can be done to actually create some some gender equity in in our field? leaning into the ideas that we were just talking about of ultimately knowing that diversity is absolutely a requirement, not a nice to have when it comes to like any kind of product or technology that deals with people needs every kind of person involved. It just, that is what will ultimately make the better product. And in my opinion, a better society of how we kind of connect all, all into that. So I think being the example of where it is so positive to have, yeah, every kind of person connected in is what women can do or what really any ally can do in, in any of those situations is really, uh, yeah, leaning into the, 
<laughs> the positive social and business cases of diversity. And do you see a difference in the diversity between your class at UCalgary versus the actual workforce? Because we, we, I've heard from a lot of people that um, have done their master's in data science that the like the actual class itself had just a few females in it. And then when you get to the workforce, it's nice because there are, you know, cross-functional teams with a bit more representation. So it seems like the choices that I've made in my life completely by accident just has me in male-dominated situations. For a long time, it's both a geophysicist and a weightlifter. That, that's kind of what I was used to it was only when actually someone asked me about what the what the split in my class was like where I realized it still was extremely low on that end but I think so I think there's there's obviously an initial issue of just the sheer interest and recruitment of women in STEM which we see across many many disciplines and so there's still needs to be so much work done especially I think on a on a youth level of just getting women more interested in that at a young age but I have seen like cement for example especially because I think one of the co-founders is a woman have really kind of are extremely tuned in to being aware of that diversity but at the same time, I'm the only woman on the analysis services team. And I think like, so to see that a, a company that's even so cognizant and puts that really as a priority, where it's just difficult of where, when the proportions in the actual hiring pool are different. Um, yeah, I think that brings up such a good point on where the burden falls when we talk about hiring a div- diverse workforce uh, right now. You know, it's it's up to companies to go out there and recruit for uh, diversity. But what? How do we start before that? How do we ensure that our people are upskilled? Uh, how do we ensure that everyone has the right types of skills to be able to apply for jobs to add value at these organizations? Uh, and and that does kind of bring me on to our next topic around these data thons that uh, you're involved in, Chelsea. And uh, I want to hear more. And I'm sure our listeners want to know if this is a good opportunity to learn about data and get hands on. Uh, yeah, tell us a bit more. Hell yes. So I'm, I'm stoked. In in my defense, I gave the disclaimer that I'm just an excited person. So this is this is this is also what I and you're like hitting on everything that I just get excited about. So uh, yeah, so this date the the datathon that I've been primarily working with um, de- with developing it has actually initiated through a initiative with geo women. So our kind of whole approach to things is we noticed a couple of different, let's say, non-data or tech societies really wanting to embrace what's going on at the data side. But even then, a lot of those details felt like they had a lot more kind of either technical or confidence barriers to the group of to the group that we were already working with, which, as I mentioned, was uh, 
Geo Women YYC. So we wanted to create our own that ultimately had those barriers completely removed. So a couple of those things were, and this ties into of uh, just women's interests in general interest in STEM in general of, of kind of how this uh, approaches is that a lot of people f- I feel felt like because they didn't necessarily have the hard skills right away. Well, it's like, how do I then join a group of people who are all trying to work on this thing? No one wants to feel like the weak link, but we also know that women are more likely to think that way than than men and it, it, that also ties into why they're applying for these types of positions less so what we wanted to do was really make really focus on inclusivity and remove the focus on necess- unnecessarily hard coding skills and let people know especially geoscientists that were curious about a transition of just kind of lowering where that step was for where their expectations might be. It's like, get get started with this and see where it goes. Learn to suck right now or just realize where you actually are with this that can be transferred over so well. Because I'm also obviously very excited about getting the oil and gas workforce, especially geoscientists that have found themselves un or underemployed in this situation, that there's way more opportunities than just the geo box that you already have too. So realizing, and oh my God, it's come full circle, tying into the soft skills of being able to work with other people and the experience that most oil and gas geoscientists have of being on integrated teams, recognizing where other skill sets are, and really ultimately delegating where those gaps that you might have are. If someone is interested in pivoting into a role with a tech or software company, that's something that they're going to have to get a a grip on wall like as they transition through that so we wanted to provide that opportunity for people as kind of as a tester um and yeah we've uh we've had a very active slack community and like before so the the datathon is coming up but before that we had a speaker series that tied into different details that we thought might be gaps in what people's thought processes were or gaps in terms of uh, what people might have thought were barriers and just to give some uh some examples of how they can they can work around that or that essentially it's not as scary as it seems when you're into it. So Chelsea, if some of our listeners want to find out more about your datathon, where can they find you? Yeah, the best place um, is geowomen.org slash data dash by dash design or just google geo women datathon it should come up i'm also extremely open if anyone wants to connect either on the datathon side or anything data related or soft skills or like i'm just a socially deprived extrovert right now so friggin reach out to me on linkedin i need it please <laughs> don't we all don't we all <laughs> right i love that Awesome. So before we let you go here, Chelsea, our listeners want to know what are the top three things that you would recommend for someone looking to transition into a career in AI? 
Yeah. Um, I think this would be a great exercise for, honestly, anybody at any time of their career, which is just be introspective and realize what values you want from a career. Um, that to me is the absolute most important thing in shaping the decisions you want to make that will be beneficial for you in the long term. Uh, the second is if you're going through, if you're kind of looking at different technical aspects, really lean into the ones that you actually like doing. At the end of the day, you don't necessarily need to be hyper proficient in every single language that could possibly be there. For example, the each of the technologies that I'm using at work right now didn't exist when I started learning about data science. And that was like, I started seriously doing that last September. So there can be a lot of anxiety of just getting started with one right off the bat. I hear a lot of questions of, oh, if I have to learn a single language, what should it be? Do the one you like doing because you're going to get a lot of benefit from just sticking to it the most. It's not the it's not the specific platform. It's not the specific language. It's the process of developing the kind of skills of learning a language or process. So, And you're more likely to do that if it's something that you like doing because you'll stick to it. That's all that matters. Keep keeping at her. But um, uh, and then the third, I would say connect with other people to understand where their experiences are. There are so many people right now who have different perspectives on this. And I think if you can tie in what your experiences have been or were or what your goals are to things that other people have done or tried that have worked for them or even better haven't worked for them you can gain a lot of insight and I think gain a lot of growth a lot quicker by either reaching out or if you're more of an introvert there are so many books of people's journeys through this that I think uh, can be connected. Like I, I mentioned, uh, the CEO of Effectiva, her book, Girl Decoded, fantastic. Those are some great takeaways for our listeners. We, we really appreciate you being here today. We had such a great time chatting with you, Chelsea. Um, and to our listeners, thank you for listening. A reminder to hit the subscribe button to hear more episodes from us. If you like what you've been hearing on the podcast, we invite you to go wherever you get your podcast and leave us a comment or review. Tell us what you love about the episode or better yet, tell us what you want to hear more of in the future. And you can find us on Instagram at Dear Data Podcast. Thank you for listening. On top of the world